0: Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Well, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Closer Look for New York City and Port Chester. I'm Peter Kay. Tonight on Closer Look, a story of redemption and unexpected collaboration. We'll be speaking with Herman Mendoza. Herman is a former New York City drug lord, often running from the police turned pastor and author, working with the New York City Police Academy, educating youth on the police culture. My very special guest again, Herman Mendoza. Welcome to Closer Look, Herman. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Let's go back to when you were a very young man, 12 years old, youngest of five, living in a pretty rough neighborhood in Queens. What did that look like? You could only imagine the kind of problems we've had in, in the household, dealing with older
1: brothers. And in a community which is very diverse, but mainly Hispanics. And so it was a neighborhood where I was really drawn to a lot of things looking at my peers around the neighborhood, older kids. And plus, my brothers being older than me were also involved in in this community where gangs were so prevalent, drugs. And so I sort of got caught up into that
0: uh, environment often as the youngest, you're looking up to your peers. Was the drug culture, was that just normal? Was that expected in your eyes? Not that it was expected, but it was something that was, uh, when I say common,
1: people were experimenting with marijuana, experimenting with other hardcore drugs. And so it was readily available, even at that age, uh, 12, 13 years of age. It was accessible as a young person at the time, I wanted to experiment, see my other friends do it, and I got caught into that kind of uh, behavior.
0: How long did it take for you from going to experimenting with a drug to being a dealer and really climbing the ranks in that? It took some time when I was actually using hardcore drugs. I was uh, using cocaine
1: and eventually got addicted to to the substance and wanted to maintain the habit. And so these older people in the neighborhood that was actually selling drugs, they offered me a way that I can sell drugs. I thought about it and I said, well, this could be a way of me sustaining my habit. And so I started to get involved with small quantities of sales of narcotics, of cocaine. And I'm talking about, this is in the early 80s. Eventually I got arrested, but it wasn't because of the selling of drugs. I got arrested for robbery, stealing a radio. (laughs) a car radio with other gang members in the neighborhood. And that took me to Juvenile Detention Center.
0: Growing up in Queens, talk about the culture between the police and the community at that time.
1: In the early 80s, there was a tremendous problem, not just in New York City, but across America with drugs, in particular cocaine. And it was the drug choice for celebrities and those in Hollywood and So a lot of people wanted to be like them and they started to experimenting with drugs. There was a lot of that happening in the city of New York and also a lot of arrests, a lot of drug distribution in Queens, a lot of homicides due to drugs, and not just in New York City, again, in America. Today, we still see those issues, but uh, police had their hands sort of tied because there was so much of drug distribution. Years went by and my second oldest brother, and my fourth oldest brother were involved in the sales of narcotics. I got married. My wife and I had the very first child. I was laid off from work and in desperate need of money. And so I had contacted my brother and said, look, uh, there's anything I can do. And I didn't want to you know, get involved full blown in the sales of narcotics because I know that I experienced it as a young teenager and it brought me a lot of hardship. But I you know, said yes and they said yes. And so I counted some money. At a stash house that we had, I counted $1.2 million in cash. And that sort of lured me into this drug business, if you will, or culture. And I started to distribute cocaine across America with my brothers, uh, hundreds of kilos of cocaine, and eventually got arrested with 31 kilos of cocaine in the trunk of my vehicle.
0: A little different than getting arrested for the stolen stereo. Exactly. Exactly. He's Pastor Herman Mendoza. I'm Peter Kay. This is Closer Look. I was
1: confronting life in prison, and the very next day when I read the newspaper, it said two brothers arrested for cocaine distribution, over $3.8 million of drugs seized, facing life in prison. And again, at the time, I had one child, and I was so confused as a young man. I was like 21 years old, 22 years old. And I was like, oh, what I got myself into a big jam here. Eventually I signed a plea deal with the prosecutors and got a deal of three or nine years of incarceration. So they sent me off to the notorious jail, of Rikers Island, and eventually was sent to prison. And I signed a pro- to enter into a program called Shock. And it's located uh, upstate New York, which is pretty much to scare you straight, to to get your life together as as a young, you know, as a young man. So I did that. And I remember entering a chapel. I tried to negotiate with God and, and I told God, if you allow me to pass this program, I promise you that I will stop drinking alcohol for six months. Now, it was ignorance on my part. Instead of saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of the poison I was distributing and, and hurting people, I was thinking about myself. I eventually passed that program and was released from prison. Lasted six months sober. And to celebrate my sobriety after six months, I went to a restaurant to have a drink with a friend. And I met someone there that I had dealings with in the past. And now this particular individual was the second in command to a particular cartel out of Colombia. And he offered me drugs. he said, I'm controlling over a ton of cocaine. And if you want to participate again, you let me know. I eventually... Decided to go back into this behavior, and it reminds me of a scripture in uh, Proverbs twenty-six, eleven, which says a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. And that's what happened to me. I, I went right back into that sinful act and sinful behavior. Started to work with my second oldest brother because my fourth oldest brother was arrested on that first case with me in the state of New York. So my second oldest brother started to work with me and we started to distribute cocaine once again. One of his clients owned a trucking company where he stashed drugs in the trailer. He had secret compartments and they called traps. And so we handed him over nine kilos of cocaine, but he was working for the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency. So I was rearrested again, now facing a federal rap. I was bailed out in a half a million dollars. And my brother, they didn't give him bail because he had another stint with the police. As I was released, I was distraught, trying to find answers. What I turned to, to alcohol. And I started drinking every single day to try to numb the pain and try to forget, you know, the circumstances that I was dealing with. And I remember not uh, attending to one of my court appearances because I had spoken to my attorney. He said, look, you're facing a minimum of 25 years. And so I decided to go on on the run. So the cops are looking for me. And one night of partying, I went to my home. I lived in a gated community. And the very next day, my wife picks up the phone set, and it was the police, and they had the house surrounded. It. it was the state police, local police, DEA, and the marshals. So I surrendered. They hauled me into the adjacent vehicle, cuffed me. As I was on my way to the prison, I told the marshals, I want to end my life right here. Little did I know, Peter, that my brother that got arrested with me in the federal he had given his life to the Lord. He surrendered his heart to to Christ and he was praying for me. And he said, God, send my brother to the same facility where I'm, I'm incarcerated so I can share the gospel with him. And I had no idea that he had given his life to Jesus. And so they send me over to the same facility where my brother was housed, same dormitory. And there he sees me and he extends his hands up in the air and he says, praise the Lord, praise God, answer prayer.
0: So I look at him, Peter, and I say, what? We what mean, praise God, we are in jail. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Peter K. My very special guest this evening is Herman Mendoza. Herman is a former New York City drug lord turned pastor and author. Herman, what's the best way in which to connect with you with a, a question or a comment? HermanMendoza.com. And you have a Facebook page as well? Yes, it's
1: Herman Mendoza and Instagram and also Twitter. They can find me there.
0: So you're in prison. Your brother says, praise the Lord. (laughs) You're thinking a little bit different. What happens next?
1: Yeah, so his whole continence was different and and his speech and his whole demeanor had changed. And I wasn't sort of registering. I I thought it was more like a jailhouse kind of thing. He's trying to look for God, you know. Uh, to sort of resolve his issue at the time. And it, was, it wasn't sincere, that's what I thought, but it was something different about him. It was sort of a glow in his face, you know? So he started to share the gospel with me. I was just trying to resolve my personal issue. I just wanted to get out of jail and I hired some attorneys. I ran out of money. My wife had left me at the time and I didn't know what to do. Things were just really looking south. My life was just in a mess he invited me to chapel. As I was walking with him to chapel, I was having this conversation with God. I was saying, I just need peace. I am depressed. I just don't know what to do with my life. I'm incarcerated. I know rightly so, but I just was a mess. I wanted answers. When I went to chapel, I sat down and the preacher it was a jailhouse preacher. He started to talk about the very same thoughts that were running through my mind about that God can give you peace, that God can fulfill this void that you're experiencing. And there was about 70 inmates in this chapel. I knew it was for me. I felt the tugging in my heart. He said at the end, come to the altar, come to the front. I want to pray for you if you want to receive Jesus in your heart. And I I just, I went to the front and I extended my hands and I I started to cry. And I said, this is me. I am a sinner. And I remember that I felt this warmth that enveloped me. I felt this peace and the convictions of my sins was so present before me. But at the same token, I felt sort of that weight that I was carrying on my shoulders was lifted. I wanted to make amends with the folks that I've harmed and hurt over the years. And I decided to contact my mom. And I told my mom, Mom, I'm a different man. I'm a new creature in Christ. The things of old are gone. Behold, all things become new. And, and she didn't understand. She was skeptical, but she was happy for me. So I started to immense myself in scripture. And every single day, I was learning more about the Word of God. And I applied for Biblical Institute with the Assemblies of God and started to study the Word of God. And my brother and I became the jailhouse preachers of these inmates, about 70, 80, 90 inmates that we were ministering to on a daily basis.
0: Talk about what your view of the police looked like as a dealer, how that metamorphosed now that you're working with the police. When I was involved with these illegal activities, obviously the police were my
1: number one enemy. I was afraid of them because I didn't want to get caught. And the New Testament talks about that those that are afraid of the authority has something to hide. But now, working with the police, we work hand-in-hand with the police academy, which I approached the inspector of this police academy and came up with a plan to work with our youngsters and teenagers to better integrate them into a culture that they understand the police culture and also the police to understand the community culture and we built sort of that bridge if you will we strengthen our communities working with the police we need the police in our communities obviously and so I'm sort of a, a, an advocate for that because I know where I came from and I know that without a police presence you know we're going to be in trouble if we don't have law enforcement protecting and serving our communities we started this ministry working hand in hand with the police, where children and youth get to visit the police academy, get to experience what the cadets go through, but also police officers can also learn from our teenagers. And that's very good questions.
0: What are some of the takeaways that you've seen on both sides from the community and from the police? Young people, they leave the police academy with a different perspective. Once they enter into the police academy
1: and we take them every Saturday, they have this different position about the police and sort of more of a distrust. But once they leave the academy, they learn about the culture, the police culture, and, and they learn about them. And as a person, they get to understand them better and they have a different perspective towards police, more of a, of authority figure and a respect towards police officers. How about on the police side? They get to understand our communities better plus in new york city is so diverse we have dozens and dozens of different languages spoken in the metropolitan area and so now the police officers really understand how to work with the communities, to have a dialogue.
0: So I'm seeing that and I'm really thankful for this opportunity that God has supported me. He's Pastor Herman Mendoza. I'm Peter Kay. This is Closer Look. Pastor Mendoza, again, give out the ways in which we can connect with you. You can find me at hermanmendoza.com, Facebook, Twitter. Herman, when you turn on the news today or maybe reading it on your iPhone and you see the climate that we're in, the the tension between police and, and different groups what are your thoughts?
1: I'm saddened by the whole situation because this is really a terrible thing that's happening across America to see the kind of disparity and this hate towards police. I think that in order for us to have some resolve and to come together, the Bible says that a a soft-spoken word will bring down wrath. We have to have a discussion. We have to come together
0: in Christ, in love. How do you build that bridge to the kids that are on the streets using and or dealing with the police and showing them as not only an authority figure, but in a good way? This is going to hurt you. We are helping correcting your behavior and really being a a tool of tough love
1: you know, what I try to do is I try to show examples. Uh, there was a, a young man about 13 years ago that I met and um, I was talking to him about God and, and and he was listening to me and he said that he would change his life. And so I ran into him and he said, look, uh, I see that you're still preaching. And I said, yes, you know, this is the way to go, you know, to be a Christian. So I said, how about you? How are you doing? And he says, well, I'm going back into my old behaviors. I'm going to, you know, sell drugs and do all these evil things. And I said, look, if you continue that behavior, you're going to get killed or you're going to jail and you'll be separated from God, you know, for eternity. And and he said, you know, he's going to take his chances. And eventually he got killed coming out of a discotheque or club. I used this news article and the letter he wrote me. And I talked to youngsters and said, look, look what happened to him. So you have choices that you can make, you know, and you either make good choices, right? And you follow biblical values
0: or you choose to remain on the streets and the end result is going to be death. I was online looking at some videos on the Powerhouse Kids ministry that you have. I had a little issue because each time I open up a video, it was either in Russian, Spanish, Arabic, or other languages that I don't speak. Did you expect it to really go this viral? I know. It's amazing.
1: Like God would use a person like myself to send me to a Korean-American church, Promise Ministries International, to work on behalf of, of young people. When I was in the world doing the things I was doing and spewing drugs out society, I was destroying lives and now God has used me to be a restorer of lives. And so this ministry 414 Window initiated at our church about 11 years ago and pretty much it is to reach this population from 4 years of age to 14. And this is basically the most vulnerable population. They're being neglected and if we don't reach them, what's going to happen in the next 10 years? We're going to lose our churches pretty much because the young people are the ones that are supposed to you know, really guide us eventually when they get older. And so this movement now is in 114 countries. And so we teach young people and children how to you know, play the guitar, violin, teach them math, taekwondo, and other subjects, and also train their parents. And so it's been a success. Again, we're in 114
0: countries. What are some things you're training the parents in? We talk to them about how to identify when their children are involved
1: consuming drugs or they're engaged in gang activities, how to identify that, uh, how to bring resolution to th- those kinds of behaviors. We also talk about domestic violence. We talk about communication, how to communicate with your spouse, how to communicate with your children. and this generation. It's very difficult. And so a lot of our parents don't know how to communicate with their children. And so these are some of the, the subjects and topics that we discuss. And we also have physical exercises for the parents uh, doing our three-hour sessions on
0: Saturday at Powerhouse Kids, where parents get to exercise as well while the kids are in their classes. As a parent in an inner city, what's some advice that you would give me raising my children? I think the most important conversations that you can
1: have with your children is basically sit down with them and have an open, honest conversation and say, look, this is what's going on in our world today. And pretty much to find out where their positions are, because unfortunately, a lot of our universities, they're not teaching biblical doctrine and What's going on is that a lot of our youngsters, are being lost through our educational system. And so I think the parents need to reinforce biblical values so that they don't get persuaded or influenced by the things of this world and be entangled by by sin. And I think that if the parents can have just an open dialogue with their children and have this conversation and be well-grounded in these discussions, that... Once they step out into the real world, they'll be much better prepared to deal with anything that may come their way. Four and a half years ago, I, I decided to write this book, Shifting Shadows, and I wanted to impact our world today that God can restore lives, and God has taken my life. You know, He has used the, the foolish, the foolishness of this world to confine the wise. And who would ever suspect that God would use a person as myself? Uh, to really shape our communities. And and so this is, you know, this book really highlights that in whatever condition you may find yourself in, whether you have a, a son or a daughter that may be involved with drugs or any kinds of addictions or
0: marriage issues, this is the book that can really help you out. Well Herman Mendoza, associate pastor at Promise Ministries International, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Closer Look and giving your unique perspective. Pastor, would you just pray over the city? For sure. Heavenly
1: Father, we, Lord, we come together as your body, God, as one, to pray for New York City and America and what's happening in our world today, God. Uh, We need you more than ever. We know that only you can bring peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. Only you, God, can guide our steps. And Father, we need you. We need you in our lives, God. We pray for those parents that are suffering. They may have a son or a daughter that may be addicted to pornography or, or drugs. We pray for them, God, so their children can be delivered, oh God, from uh, sin. God, that they can uh, have a relationship with you, Lord, just as you saved me. And so, Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And in Jesus'
0: name we pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor Mendoza. And again, absolute pleasure having you on the program. Thank you. If you would like more of my conversation with Pastor Herman Mendoza, you can always email us closerlook at klove.com. That's closerlook at K-L-O-V-E.com. For closer look, I'm Peter K. This has been K Love Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.